Hey, I'm Brandon. And I'm Hannah, and we're the pastors at New Community Church. Yeah, and it's our hope that this message inspires you to take your next steps in your faith journey with Jesus. Thanks for joining us today, and enjoy the message. Well, good evening, Ashlyn. It's so great to be together in this room together. You know, one of our biggest prayers every week is that you'd have an undeniable encounter with God's presence. And I, I feel like we've already had that moment in worship. Isn't God good? I just love that we know that he's here, that he's with us. And I'm excited to share this word that I have for you tonight. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you, my name is Hannah. Uh, my husband, Brian, and I, we're the pastors here. And we're in the middle of this series called uh, Nehemiah, where we're taking some time to look at this ordinary man that you see in the Old Testament named Nehemiah. And it doesn't take long for you to see as you read his story that God uses ordinary people to make an extraordinary difference. He uses ordinary people to make an extraordinary difference. And over the next coming weeks, we're going to take time to unpack what that could look like for you and for me. And this week, we're going to be looking at this burden that God gave Nehemiah to carry and how he gives you and I a burden to carry as well. When you look at Nehemiah's life, he has this ordinary moment where he encounters a friend from the past. And they share with him what's going on in his hometown. And the news that he learns in that moment, it just broke him. Like he couldn't move past it. He couldn't scroll past it. It just sat with him. It was with him. And in that moment, God gave Nehemiah a divine burden to carry. And as we start tonight, I wanted to take a moment to share the burden that God gave me to carry. And if you are just joining us, this is your first night with us, I want to let you know that uh, I've never shared this story before. It's not a soapbox that I stand on, really. It's a burden that God used to use as a catalyst in my life for me to take some steps in my faith journey. And so when I share this story tonight, I just want you to know that the soapbox I stand on is Jesus. It's not my burden. And that the, the, thing, that, the, the thing that gets me going is my love for Jesus and the, thing, the life that I know that he has for us. And so in 2016, I was in a season of wrestling, of really feeling like God wanted to do more in my life. And it was during that season where I read a study that talked about how women... Uh, the age 35 and under were leaving the church the fastest. And when I read that study, it just sat with me. It sat with me for a long time because that was me and those were my friends. And um, when you hear those types of things, it's not that women are leaving the church. They are leaving faith. They're walking away from faith. And from that moment, it's actually changed now to where women are just leaving the church. They're just walking away from faith. And part of the reason why they're walking away is because women see themselves lead in every other sphere of influence. They see themselves lead in schools, they're principals, they, they own their own business, they're doctors, they're lawyers, and they don't see themselves lead at church. And what's kind of crazy about this is when you look at scripture and when you look at church history, you see that God empowers women to lead all throughout. All throughout history, you see this. And even in, the, in scripture, in Genesis 1.27, when God's speaking to Adam and Eve, he's speaking to man and woman. He says, he says lead and subdue the earth. And those first mentions are so powerful. You can't, you can't bypass them. And so this news, this study, it just sat with me. 
it sat with me for a long time. And I, at the time, was working at a church, and every time I would go into a church, whether it was the one I was working at or elsewhere, like, I would see a witness of this. And I don't have anything against men leadership and men leading. I really, I don't. I actually appreciate all the men in my life. But in those moments, all I saw were men leading worship, men leading prayers, men doing the sermons, and I wasn't seeing me. I could see why women were leading. And so as I just wrestled with this, I was getting anxious about it. I was like, God, we've got to figure this out. Like the implications to this are too big. They're too great. Because how many stories have you heard where there's a praying grandmother in your life and that's why you came to Christ? Well, if women are leaving the church, we're not going to have praying grandmothers. And, you know, how many moms have dragged their teenagers to church, right? I mean, that's Brandon's story. His mom dragged him to church and it was that consistency of her bringing him again and again and again. That's how he had an encounter with God that changed his life forever. And so it's not just women that are leaving the church. It's the next generation. And so I would pray, God, we've got, something's got to be done about this. Open the eyes to the church about the direction that we are headed in. And it was in this season of prayer where the Lord spoke to me and he said, Hannah, I have opened your eyes to this because this is your burden to carry. I couldn't pass it off. It wasn't for someone else to see. It was what God gave me. He was calling me to leave. He was calling me to take steps in my faith journey to where he was calling me to become a pastor. And he was asking me to carry this divine burden that he had given me. And so the reason why I stand here today is so that women know that God empowers them in every sphere of influence, whether it's in the schools whether it's at home or it's right here on ch at church. But tonight we're not talking about me and my burden, but what we are talking about is the burden that God gives you to carry. And I want to start by asking you this question, and it's this. What burden has God given you to carry? What burden has God given you to carry? I'm guessing that there's something that you see, a need in the world that just weighs heavy on you. It sits differently with you where you see an injustice or maybe you see a way where people are not living to the full, the full life that God has for them. Maybe there's, it just sits with you differently. And when, I, when we see these types of things that sit with us, I call this a divine burden, something that upsets you on behalf of God's heart. It just it moves you in a significant way. And what I have found that when it comes to these burdens that we carry, the burden that you bear often reveals a calling that you will embrace. The burden that you bear often reveals a calling that you will embrace. So in other words, the, the thing that tends to upset you is often the thing that God will use to drive you and compel you into motion. It's how he uses you to make a difference in the world around you. And the other thing that I know about these divine burdens is that you rarely know when you are on the front end of something that's going to be really special. Where God does an incredible thing in and through you because of your posture of saying, yes, I will carry this. I had no idea from that moment in prayer that God was going to call Brandon and I to start a new church. I had no idea in that moment in prayer that God was going to call us to lead and to pastor together. I had no idea that God was going to create opportunities for us to invest and mentor different leaders within the church. I had no idea that God was going to give me opportunities to invest in women in this community. 
you rarely know when you are on the front end of something and God's going to start something in and through you. And so maybe you, you have this burden and you're leaning into it and you're, you're thinking about it and considering, about doing, considering doing something about it. And you may not realize that you are on the very front end of something very special. Like I said earlier, we are in this series where we're taking some time to look at Nehemiah. And I want to take a moment just to set up the context to his story, just so that you, you know just what's happening around him in the world, around him. And it, way back in about 587 B.C., an evil king named Nebuchadnezzar came in with his people, the Babylonians, and they took over Jerusalem. And when they came in, they just decimated the place. I mean, they tore down the city walls. They tore down the temple. They, they demoralized the people, and they carried the people off into captivity. And so that's where the people of God were for a very long time. And uh, I guess decades later, uh, a king released some of the people to come, come back to Jerusalem and to rebuild it. And now, I need you to imagine with me what they were walking into. So they were not walking into a place that had structure and order. They were coming back to chaos. They were coming back to a land that had been decimated. And there was no visionary leading them. They, they didn't have someone setting the direction and telling them how to rebuild. And so the plan fell like horribly. It, it, it never even took off. There was no hope for the project, so it didn't go anywhere. And then... And then 140 years later, after Nehemiah's, after the people of God had been carried off into captivity, Nehemiah has this moment where he learns about what has happened in his hometown. And his heart is broken. His heart is changed forever. God sets him into motion, and he starts an extraordinary work through him. Now, I want, to, I want to remind you, Nehemiah wasn't a pastor, he wasn't a priest, he wasn't a contractor, he wasn't a builder. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. He, he poured drinks. That's what he did. He, he drank a little bit too, but he poured drinks. He was nobody special. He just, he just had this special position. And I want you to hear me tonight that sometimes you don't have this formal position. You don't have this, this, or this you haven't been commissioned, but what you do have is this passion from God. And all you need is that passion to, in order to make a difference in the world around you. That passion, it, it qualifies you to get going. It qualifies you to get started on the work that God's called you, called you to make. And if you weren't with us last week, I want to tell you how Nehemiah reacted when God gave him this burden to carry. See, Nehemiah's first response was that he sat down and he wept. He cried. He allowed God to break his heart in a way that had never been broken before. And from that moment, his next posture was to kneel. He prayed before the Lord. And then from there, after a season of prayer, got, he got up and decided to do something about it. He decided to go and make a difference and it start moving forward in this burden that God had given him. And here's what I know. is Sometimes that we have these burdens that God has given us, but we are unsure of the path forward. We're not quite sure how to make a difference, how to get to work. And so today, I want to give you just four simple steps of how to move forward in carrying your burden well. And here's the first one. Seek God faithfully. Seek God faithfully. When you look at Nehemiah's life, you see that this was his posture. 
This is where he stayed. He stayed in this posture of seeking the Lord. The burden that he was carrying was heavy. And so he didn't feel like he could carry it alone. He needed to stay in that posture. And here's why this, this problem was so heavy to begin with. Because what Nehemiah needed to do, well, it was going to be pretty tricky for him. He needed to use his connection to the king. He needed to use that proximity that he had to the king. And in fact, Nehemiah's job was to take burdens away from the king, not to put burdens on him. And so Nehemiah knows this. And he's a little worried. He's a little afraid. And in fact, in that day, if you came and brought bad news to the king, well, bad things happen to you. And so Nehemiah didn't want to be the bearer of bad news, right? That's why we have that saying. And so <clears throat> Nehemiah, in this moment, knows this conflict. And so he circles this, prayer, this problem in prayer for months. And here's what happens. He said, I had not been sad in the presence of the king before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. So you see very quickly how close the king and Nehemiah are, that the king knows that something is weighing on Nehemiah. And truth be told, because Nehemiah has had this posture of kneeling before the Lord, when you're in that posture of prayer, it doesn't lessen your burden. It only gets deeper. It only gets heavier. And Nehemiah, he couldn't shake it. It was all over him. It was undeniable. And so the king said to Nehemiah, he said, what is it that you want? And Nehemiah, in this moment, he, he said, Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king. Now, notice in this moment, Nehemiah doesn't circle back and start a time of prayer and fasting. He's already done that. In, in his relationship with God, he's got this connection to him where you can just have a constant conversation going on. It's like in a marriage where you have intentional times when you invest in your relationship and you go on a date and you're in constant conversation and you don't have to go on a date to talk, right? It's the same way with our Heavenly Father. We can have this constant conversation with him. And in this moment, Nehemiah is confronted with a divine opportunity. God opens this door and Nehemiah has a choice to make. Is he going to respond in fear or is he going to walk through in faith? Is he going to shut that door or is he going to step in faith? He had a decision to make. And I don't want you to miss this, that Nehemiah takes a moment to connect with God because here's what's really hard to do. When you are kneeling before the Lord, it's really hard for your knees to knock. It's really hard for you to get nervous, for you to get scared. And so Nehemiah entrusts this moment to the Lord because when it comes to this burden, there's no problem too big or worry too small for God's heart. And so Nehemiah knows this and he just lays it before him because there's no way that he can make it happen on his own. So seek God faithfully. Allow him to inform your heart, to inform your mind, to inform your perspective. When God gave me this burden to carry, I spent a season in prayer. And it wasn't just me. Brandon and I spent a season in prayer because we knew that there was going to be a shift that happened for our family. And in this season of prayer, God didn't just break my heart, but God broke Brandon's heart. 
and he cares about this burden just as much as I do. And that's what happens with God's burdens is he gives it to you to carry. And as you step out in faith, other people come along and carry the weight with you. And so circling in prayer is giving it to the Lord and it's allowing him to inform the perspective that we're going to have. And I want to challenge you this morning or this evening. If you can accomplish your dream without kneeling in prayer, what I say, you need to keep circling that dream. You need to keep circling that vision. Because God's personality, the way he does it is he gives God-sized dreams. He gives God-sized visions. And so if you can accomplish it on your own, well, then you're not dreaming big enough. God does immeasurably more than we could ask or think. So go back in prayer. Circle it in prayer and see what the Lord will say to you. See how he will lead and guide you. And I encourage you, don't manufacture opportunities, but walk through the doors that God walk opens for you. So the first thing you do to carry your burden is you seek God faithfully. Here's the second thing you do. You define the vision clearly. Define the vision clearly. For most people, it's not a lack of caring that's a problem. It's a lack of clarity. It's a lack of clarity. You, you, don't, you don't know where you're specifically called to do. But Nehemiah doesn't have this problem. He has clarity when, he, when it comes to his calling, when he has this vision from God. Listen to what he says. The king says, Nehemiah, I see that you're upset. What do you want me to do? And Nehemiah's response is this. If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, well, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. One sentence crystal clear. Let me go to Judah so that I can rebuild it. Clarity. You seek God faithfully and you, you define vision clearly. Listen, this is what Nehemiah didn't do. He didn't come before the king wishy-washy. He didn't come before the king uh, like stuttering and nervous and unsure of himself. He didn't say, well, you know, uh, I've been talking to my mother, sister's aunt, and she told me about what's happening in my hometown. And it's, it's real devastating, you know. And, and I was talking, she told me about my, my cousins, my second cousins once removed, or, or maybe it's twice, I'm not sure. It's real confusing. And uh, I, th what they're going through is just terrible. And they asked me if I could come help build something, but I've never built anything in my life. I've never even picked up a hammer. I just pour drinks all day long. And I was wondering, you know, like, should I raise money? Should I just write some letters and have people send some money that way? Or maybe I should, you know, just go there myself. I'm not really quite sure. But then my mother, sister's aunt, you know, she told me that I should, I should talk to you because you're the king and you, you know how these things work. So what do you think? That's not what he did. It's not a lack of caring that's a problem. It's a lack of clarity. It's a lack of clarity. And so when it comes to your burden, what is, you, take a moment to define it clearly. Ask the Lord. Some, for some of you tonight, maybe you're thinking, you know what, I care a lot about kids. Well, I'll ask you, what kids? What kids do you care about? Are the ones that are struggling with reading? Do you care about the kids that are being abused? The ones that don't have a safe home? Are you, are you concerned about um, 
Are you concerned about ones that don't have their basic needs met? Where? Where do you want to help these kids? Are they, are they abroad? Are they here in our state? Are they in our community? How do you want to help? Define the word help. What does help look like? Are you helping them learn how to read? Are you helping them with uh, education? Are you helping them with medical needs? What are, is God calling you specifically to do? What is God calling you specifically to do? Bottom line is if you can't define it, you can't do it. You can't do it. And so circle and ask God for that clarity. Ask him to give you that vision to define it clearly. And here's why it matters. Because it's hard for people to catch a vision if they can't see where they're going. If the, if the water is murky, if the path forward isn't clear, they can't follow behind you. So take some time and define it clearly. What is God leading you to do? What is God leading you to do? Circle in prayer. Ask God to give you that one-liner. Come up with a one-liner. Here's some examples I have. So here's one. God is leading me and my family to be totally debt-free by the end of 2025 so that we could be more generous with what God has given us. So God's eyes dream one sentence, clear. Here's another one. God is leading me to have a personal conversation about Jesus with five of my closest friends by the time I graduate. Crystal clear, one line, God's eyes dream. Here's another one. God is leading, this is actually one of our friends, those other two I made up. <laughs> Here's, uh, God is leading us to give $100,000 combined to the church by the time that we are 40. God's eyes dream, crystal clear, one line. Here's another one within our church. God has called me to help men overcome their addiction to pornography, pornography by creating a safe place for accountability, support, and encouragement. God's eyes dream, crystal clear, one sentence. Here's mine. God's called me to run for the one coming behind me, to be a pace setter and bringing the women's perspective to the church. One line. Listen, when, when, here's what happens when you have your one-liner. That becomes your bullseye. It sets the path forward, and it, it makes it the target. It makes it easy to know when your vision is drifting, and it makes it easy for you to know how to follow after it. And this leads us into our third one. Make plans carefully. Make plans carefully. To get to that bullseye, you need to make plans, and you need to make them carefully. And the problem is that when you have a goal and you don't have a plan with it, well, it just becomes a wish. And some of you tonight, you're just wishing. You, you're, you haven't come up with a plan, and you're just making a wish. And I want to tell you, two, there's two hindrances that come to God's burdens. And I want to tell you the first one. The first hindrance is this, is you don't have a plan. There's no plan. Listen, honor God and make a plan. Get organized and start, start strategizing and figure out a path forward. I want you to lean in with me on this, that God is a God of order. He's a God of systems. I mean, we live in a solar system, right? I mean, the sun rises and the sun sets every single day. The earth rotates around the sun in the same direction day after day, month after month, year after year. God is a God of order. He's a God of systems. So c come up with a plan of how you can follow after God, after this dream that God has for you. 
See, sometimes I see people where they're, they're worried about creating a plan. They're worried about creating a system. They just want to allow room for the Holy Spirit to lead. And I would say that that's contrary to faith. That's contrary to scripture. When you look at the New Testament, when they are empowered by the Holy Spirit and they're following after the Holy Spirit, do you know what they did? They asked God for a plan. God, where should we send Paul and Barnabas? Should we send them to this town or to the next town? Should, where should, how will they follow after you? They held their plans before the Lord and allowed the Lord to set the direction. And they kept in step where the Spirit was leading and guiding them. I want you to think about it this way. Think about it this um, Think about a football game. This is really funny because I did a horrible job at using this analogy this morning because I don't watch a lot of football. But when you football, you watch a lot of game film. Yeah? Okay. You watch, uh, <laughs> when, you're going to watch, when you're going to play against a team that you're going to play against, you watch game film. You come up with a strategy and a plan, right? You don't go to the game and just try it on a whim. You have a strategy and a plan. And you are prepared enough to pivot and adjust as the game is going. It's the same with our, with, with our burdens when we're following after God. We have this plan where we're following God. He's informing our perspective. He's informing our steps. And we pivot where God's spirit leads us and guides us. So come up with a plan. Listen to how Nehemiah does this with his story. Then the king said with the queen sitting beside him. How many of you know you need that queen sitting right there, right? Uh, the, the, uh, the king said to me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Notice Nehemiah doesn't say, I don't know. He didn't say, I don't know. He set a specific time. Now watch what he does after this. He said, I also said, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive to Judah. So here in this moment, Nehemiah is asking for protection because that travel is not going to be safe. And then he goes from there, he says, and may I have a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the royal parks, so that he will give me timber to make the beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city walls and for the residence that I will occupy. Nehemiah asked for protection and he asked for provision. He asked for protection and he asked for provision. He's very, very clear. He has a plan. He has a strategy. And then he says, I love this, and because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. Because God was with me. Here's the cool thing in this moment. you got to know that Nehemiah didn't come up with this plan on a whim. Nehemiah had spent time. He had spent months kneeling before the Lord, and the Lord gave him this plan in that posture of prayer. In that time that he was seeking after him. And Nehemiah had this clear vision and he had this direct plan because he was seeking after the Lord. Listen, Nehemiah was led by God's spirit. He kept in step with the spirit where he was leading and guiding him. And I encourage you, be led by God's spirit. Come up with a plan, but then be flexible enough to pivot when the spirit says pivot. Here's the second thing that hinders our, our, our burdens that we're carrying for the Lord. It's over-planning, over-planning. I, 
I, I can't say this enough. Sometimes our biggest setbacks in life is when we are waiting for everything to be perfect, right? And I want you to hear me tonight that the only thing and the only person that has ever been perfect was Jesus. He's the only thing. And here's the coolest thing about that. Because we are Jesus followers, we have his spirit living inside of us. And so the perfect thing to do is to seek his Holy Spirit and allow his Holy Spirit to lead and guide you, to keep in step with his spirit and allow him to inform your plan. Listen, when we started a new community, we had a plan. And we held it before the Lord, and we launched, and we've been tweaking and building and fixing that plan for the last three years ever since we started. There's just a posture of holding it before the Lord. Listen, sometimes we want to have everything in order. We want to know how to build the city walls. We want to have our infrastructure plan. We want to know our economic plan. And then we want to know how we're going to bring order within chaos. Like, we want to have everything figured out. And when we are waiting for everything to be figured out, well, you'll be waiting forever. And that perspective, that perspective relies all on you. It relies on you knowing everything to do. And the thing about God-sized dreams is you can't do it alone. You have to have a community to come around you where God brings people to carry that burden with you. It's never just about you, but it's about bringing a community around you to help you lift that burden and make a difference around you. So when we felt like God was calling us to start a new community, the first thing that Brandon and I did is we went and we worked with three different organizations that trained us and helped us to come up with an initial plan. After we came up with that plan, then we, you know what we did? We met with different church planners, we met with different people, and we asked a ton of questions. And so because we're asking questions, we listen. That's a big, like, People don't ever listen. Sometimes they just talk and talk. They ask questions, but then they don't take time to listen. Listen. Take some time to hear people's responses. And then from there, we we felt like God was calling us to go check out different church plants and see how they did it. How do you do theater church? How do you set up and tear down week after week? What do you do? And then from there... God started to bring people that felt just as called to new community as Brandon and I. And not just like one or two. He's brought so many people. Because that's what God does. Is he starts something within you and it, it sparks a fire and other people catch a vision for the burden that God has given you. So maybe tonight you feel like God's telling you you need to start a new business or maybe you need to start a new ministry. Go and find someone that's doing it and go ask lots of questions and go listen. Listen to what they have to say. Listen to their stories. Listen to their, to their failures. Listen to their wins. Find, find a, someone to mentor you as you walk through this new season. Hold the, the plan before the Lord. Seek the Lord and hold your plans before him. And just do the right next thing. Just keep in step with God's spirit. Maybe you have a passion to help others find the, the freedom that they need from their mental struggles. 
You, you yourself, you struggle with depression. You just, you struggle with anxiety. And you have found the freedom that you've been longing for. And you want to help other people experience that exact same freedom. Find someone to mentor you. Ask lots of questions. Listen, read a book. Seek the Lord and allow him to inform your plan. And then take those steps forward. Just keep in step with his spirit. So when it comes to carrying our burdens, how do we carry it well? Well, we seek the Lord faithfully. We define the vision clearly. We make plans carefully. And here's the fourth one. We inspire people passionately. And in this moment, I'm going to invite our worship team to come on up. But when it comes to our dreams and our, our, our visions, it's never just about you, right? I've been saying that like 10,000 10, times already. It's not just about you. Nehemiah went back to go lead a people. He didn't go back to rebuild the walls on his own. He went back to lead a people in rebuilding the walls. And this is what he said to them. He said, you see the trouble that we are in. And I love this because he's honest with them. He doesn't sugarcoat it. He tells them like it is. And he says, Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the walls of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be in disgrace. In this moment, Nehemiah casts vision for them. He sets the direction. He tells them where they are going. He had to inspire them because <coughs> the, there was a lot of work to be done. And it was going to take a lot of time, and it was going to be really hard, and they were going to face opposition. And so Nehemiah is so strategic. I love what he does right here. He doesn't make it a you problem. He doesn't say, hey, you have not done anything with this town. He said, hey, we are in trouble. Let us work together and rebuild this city. Truly, God's burdens are not just about you, but it's about coming alongside of people and making difference, making a difference in the community around us. And God's waiting for this moment to, to come to spark something in you so that you can make a difference in the lives around you. And I love what Nehemiah does in this moment. He doesn't stop at this this place where he's saying, hey, let's do something. Let's rebuild these walls. He circles back to his heavenly father. I love what he says. He says, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king said to me. Nehemiah was coming to these people who were in this desolate place that, that was demolished, that there was no structure. They, they were in a terrible, terrible spot. And Nehemiah comes as this ordinary man with this word from God that said, hey, God sees you and God cares about you and God wants to take care of you. He, he hasn't forsaken you. God is right here. And I want to tell you tonight that God sees you and God cares about you 
and God is for you, and God is with you. God has called you. God has anointed you. God is with you. He's leading and guiding you, and God has given you a divine burden to carry. There's a plan and a purpose that he's waiting to do in and through you. There's a quote from John Wesley that I love. It says, light yourself on fire with passion, and people will come from miles and miles to watch you burn. Come on, don't we know that? People will come from miles and miles to watch you burn. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit ignites a fire within you tonight. He ignites a divine burden within your heart where it doesn't just just stay contained in you, but it starts and gets a people on mission. It starts, it starts and it spreads. And I, I want you to know tonight that when God starts this fire, come on, it, it, it starts welling up in your soul and it spreads like a wildfire to the ones around you. And that's my prayer for you is that you experience the presence of God in an undeniable way, where it, it, the word that he speaks to you, the, the thing that he lays upon your heart, it just sits with you, and it changes your life forever. Would you stand with me this evening? You know, it's cool about these moments you rarely know when you're on the front end of something really, really special where God starts something in you and it changes a whole community around you. And I believe the invitation that the Lord has for us is just to open our hands before the Lord and say, here am I, God. Use me. Send me. Start the fire within me. So would you open your hands to the Lord just as a symbol of saying, God, I'm open. Come and ignite this fire within me. Holy Spirit, we're open to you tonight. Would you come and fan into flame the, a holy passion for the things that you want to start in your people tonight? God, would you give fresh dreams and fresh visions? God, I pray that you would place holy burdens in this room tonight. Burdens that bring, humble us. Burdens that give us a different perspective. Burdens that just sit differently with us. And God, I pray right now that you would uh, just allow your spirit to breathe on us where there's a, a fresh passion, a fresh hunger and a thirst for to see your, your spirit move, God. And would you start a work in us for the person beside us and for the person in front of us and the person behind us and the person that's yet to be with us. Holy Spirit, would you come and use us? Thanks for joining us today. We hope that this message inspired you to take your next step in your faith journey with Jesus. Yeah, and we'd love to connect with you further. And the best way to do that is at our website, thenewcommunity.church, where you can connect to our small groups, find other resources, and even give to the work God's doing through New Community.